0: Welcome to Adventures in Aperture, a photography podcast that aims to dive deeper into the stories that will inspire you. Joining me today is a man with an amazing story to tell. Andrew Fusek-Peters has lived a number of lives, from presenting on TV to being a successful children's book author, but today we're talking about Andrew's very personal photography journey. So welcome, Andrew. You you and I met recently when we were filming some content for OM Systems near your beautiful Shropshire home. And I have to say, it was a a great day for me. I I drove home from that shoot feeling very inspired by you and by your story. So I thought it'd be great um, for the Adventures in Aperture podcast for you to come on and tell your story, really. And I wonder if we could start... Um. by talking a little bit about how you got started in photography and maybe take us up to the point about where you were before you switched over to OM systems.
1: Okay, that's a, good, that's a good way to start. So I was a children's author for 20, 25 years with my wife, Polly. I was a performer in schools. Um, I went all over the UK. We did everything from plays and poetry to novels. And finally, I got the deal with Barry Cunningham the sign J.K. Rowling, and I thought, Oh God, we're there. Hundred thousand words, kind of sci-fi, eco-sci-fi a novel called Ravenwood, and with all the rights and the writing and the rewrites, it was uh, it ended up being probably what two hundred fifty thousand words per novel. And this was the thing I always thought I wanted, and it really wasn't. Anyway, I got very ill. Um, I had a I had a kind of breakdown, and. I was completely burnt from that career at that point, um, which is strange because it's the sort of thing most a lot of people go, oh, I'd love to do that, and actually it's really hard work. Um, and um, I, as I was recovering and realizing I couldn't go back to that uh, type of work, um, I bought my son a DSLR, a Canon 650D, for he was getting into stop frame animation. So I started to get to understand what this camera was about. This is 2012 or something like that. And um, uh, then I was down in London, I was walking over Waterloo Bridge one night, and there were all these people with tripods and cameras doing these long exposures, you know, to get the, 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 the trails of the traffic and to get the lights of the buildings kind of turned into star shapes. And I saw the back of the camera of a couple of these people and I just thought, oh my God. And that was it for me. Um, so that was the first thing I started doing was buildings by night and then mad HDR. I think when you first get into it, you just want to get an effect really and want to see what the camera can do. Yeah. So it was completely over the top. And I didn't live in a city. I was visiting London quite a lot to do these night shoots. In fact, I got into the Shard just before it went during soft opening and took some amazing dawn shots from one of the rooms high up in the shard. Um, to the point where when I showed them to the staff at the show, they said, oh, you should come and do some work for us here, which I never followed up. Um, so that could have kind of been an alternative career in some ways. But I'm really glad that I live in Shropshire because it's very clear, very quickly that what was around me was was more interesting than, what, than the cities. And, and what was around me was landscape and wildlife. And from 2014, I started working for the National Trust on the Longman uh, uh, nature reserve and, and the stiper stones and just fell in love with the whole whole thing wildlife of photographing the moon really big using telephoto lenses um I'm trying to get birds in flight of studying species um and started getting my photos in the national papers uh and in the magazines i'm i'm quite a, I wouldn't say pushy, but I do go for it. So I was—I went to everyone says, oh, but you like connections in publishing, as if children's publishing was anything to do with photography world. Um, I just went to the photography show and just pitched the hell out of stuff and showed people stuff on my iPad and started to work with Amateur Photographer and Digital Camera Magazine and you know kind of built up for that. And I was with Canon for uh, shooting Canon for I don't know how many years—five years, six years. And then as I, um, uh, I think we can tell this again, I, I went to the photography show and Olympus had a stand there and I got chatting to Claire and I was still of that arrogance of I, I shoot full frame, I've got the proper big kit, I've got the big 8,000 pound 500 lens, the Canon lens, you know, but I'll, I'll see what this small, tiny equipment is all about. Um, and they gave me a pro loan uh, and they also said um, uh, Claire said, uh, Andy, you're going to have this for six weeks, and by the end of six weeks, you won't want to return it. And I thought, yeah, ha, 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 ha. Um, And I went away with this kit, which was the m 1 Mark II and all the various lenses, including the 300. And round about the six-week mark, something clicked. And I just thought, oh, my God, it's small, it's light, the IBIS, the handheld. Uh, means I can do landscape shots at incredibly low ISO with long exposure. You know, long exposure. I don't need to be using a tripod. It's a sort of camera you can pick up and take a shot at any time with, and you don't have to be fiddling with filters and setups and all that sort of stuff. Um, and some of the features were mind blowing. Pro Capture, 60 frames raw in a second, meaning you're never going to miss the bird taking off again.
0: I wanted to just um, pause and um, pick up on something you said about. Um... Full frame attitudes and and sort of almost photographers looking down on crop sensor cameras. Do you think that yeah, is, yeah. is is really a thing and, and and why is it about and do you think there is a problem? I really, no, it
1: really is a thing. It's very interesting when I go to any bird hides. When I used to go with the big Canon gear, you, people would always start talking to you and oh, he's got the big white lenses, you know. And even the phrase "big white lens" I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. Um, and I go with the, with the Olympus kit. Generally speaking, nobody bats an eyelid. But I had a very interesting non-encounter where I was photographing butterflies locally, and my wife was sat further up the path, bored out of her brains because I was just stuck photographing butterflies. And a couple walked past her, and the wife said, uh, pointing at my Olympus camera, "Oh, you're going to get a camera like that because you're going to get a new camera soon." He says, "No, no, I'm going to get a proper camera with proper lenses." He actually said that. So I think there is this thing. Uh, this snobbery, which I find sad, actually, because actually uh, it, it is about the skill and the technique of the photographer. And one of my goals with, with once I started shooting with Olympus was to show it could cut it with the... with the. I, again, I don't like to use the phrase big boys. It's so sexist. But to cut it with the full framers, um, I have never had a picture editor at the Times or the Daily Mail or the Guardian go, oh, that was shot with Minecraft Four Thirds. We can't use that photo. Never had a magazine editor, amateur photographer say that. Um, the quality of the photos stand up. High ISO, there might be a bit of a hit, a bit, bit of difference in the very high ISOs, but with the new OM-1, I'm not really noticing that. I shot Milky Way last night, 12,800 ISO, and the shots are coming out fantastically well. So, And, and where I was, was was a fair old walk up a very steep and difficult path onto the Stiper Stones, I wouldn't want to be carrying heavy full-frame kits. So I, I think what I say when I do my camera club talks and talks all around the UK, I just say I don't think M43 is better than anything else, but it works for me. So shoot, if you want to shoot medium format, you want to shoot plate camera, collodion, you want to shoot full-frame, you want to shoot with a bridge camera or a phone, just go for it and enjoy it and do it. But what I'm going to be doing is working incredibly hard within the system and work out what it can do. Amazing. So I, you know, so I've been photographing at twelve thousand eight hundredth of a second to finally freeze the the wings of a hummingbird hawkmoth in flight, um, and shot them from above. So you've got the whole wingspan. Nobody's done that before, and I have had people on Twitter on the Facebook saying that is literally the best hummingbird hawkmoth picture I've ever seen. So for me, that's Micro Four Thirds. What it can do is so interesting. Uh, and and I actually only think we're we just beginning to s- scratch the surface of the of the potential and, and possibility of the
0: system. So you you picked up this new system and it opened up some amazing creative doors for you. Do you want to pick up the story from there?
1: Yes. Um. So well, it took a while to understand what was going on. It's very interesting because I I always kept my Canon kit to the side just in case I you know some various macro things I thought I might want to do. And I found after about a year of shooting Olympus, when uh, any time I picked up the Canon and tried to shoot with it, I just, it just didn't work. I didn't understand what it was doing. So, so there is an ease of use within um, the settings. And, and I think once you get to know your camera very well, there's so many things it does very, very quickly. So last night, I was shooting Sunset. Now, normally, you, you might want to do filters and all sorts of stuff. that You don't want to blow the highlights and graduated filters and blah, blah, blah. I was shooting handheld high-res, and the, the OM-1 has now got this. You just press the video button, and it will go straight into handheld high-res mode. And what you get there is you is it'll take six to eight shots and combine them to make a 50-megapixel file. It's not the size of the file that interests me. It's the fact that because it's stacking a bunch of photos very cleverly and very quickly, you get, what, one, two stops extra dynamic range, better noise, and it means, again, I can shoot near darkness and then pull up the shadows and pull down the highlights and get a, an incredibly elastic raw file. So this is... As, as I got into the system, it also became something I could take everywhere with me when I was going out, whereas with the Canon, it had to be a, ma- a major decision. You know, the, the 1DX and the 500, or the 5D4 and the 500 lens, these are heavy, big things to carry around yeah. all day. Um, and okay, so the Olympus 150-400 has is is, is got some weight and heft to it, but it's still a lot smaller and lighter than many of the, as I said, the big white lenses, and it's a zoom, uh, and it's high quality and you get an incredible reach with it. So I would say the unfolding of the last, what, three, since 2018, the last four years, with Olympus has just been about going, oh, it has that feature, let's see what we can do with that.
0: I, it's, it's amazing you, you're talking about that. I mean, obviously, um, in my job, I, I test a lot of cameras, and you know, looking around the office now, I've got quite a few different systems, and the PR team at OM System are, are, are really good at sorting out um, kit for us. And I found myself getting into a bit of a photography rut, you know, not really wanting to go out and take pictures. Um, And when I got the OM1 in, and you know, um, Mark sorted it out for me, and I got a couple of lenses, I found, you know, using the Canon was an excuse not to go out with the camera. Using the OM1 was an excuse to go out with the camera. It it sort of you just picked, picked it up, off you went. And it yeah. really got me out of a photography rut. Um, so I can yeah, completely yeah. understand your, your school of thinking on that. Um, and I think it is something more people need to discover. Would you
1: agree? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I really, really do. And, you know, I've got a couple of setups. So if I'm going out landscape, I'd literally just take the OM1 and the 12-100, to which is pretty much one of the best lenses I've ever come across in any system, you've got the equivalent. I like 24 mil equivalent. I, don't, I think too wide. I'll do too wide for the Milky Way, but too wide for landscape. just doesn't, doesn't interest me. It's too distorted. Um, uh, and and I, I just carry that in my backpack with my tea and food and go for a day's walk, and I've got that set up. And even with that, if I'm doing butterflies, I can use that for butterflies as well. I can get very close for a wide angle or get a bit further away if I want to do some subject separation. So it, the word convenient, um, I mean, I think when Maitani developed the first OM-1 50 years ago, he wanted to miniaturize everything. He wanted to produce something very small, very portable, very easy to use, but with no less quality than, uh, than the other cameras that were around at that time. And I think that tradition has absolutely been, uh, you know, absolutely been carried on. Uh, the the amount of photos I've had in the newspapers has exponentially re- risen since I've been shooting with Olympus. and it could be argued I've been developing as a professional photographer, so that that might be that was going to happen in any case. But what the system does is it goes well. Have you thought of that? I mean, so for instance, let's say the 300 lens or the 4150 have incredible close up focus abilities, which means you can get close to an insect, say a butterfly or a dragonfly, and get the moon or the sun. At, behind them say when the sun is setting or the moon is rising all in a single frame you try doing that with some of those full-frame lenses that don't wouldn't even know what a minimum focus distance is they go two thousand feet away is the nearest thing you can photograph you know whereas with the 300 f4 you can be photographing a couple of feet away it's extraordinary so uh they're just consistently it seems to be ways that the system really works and it takes what, a, what would appear to be the disadvantage of micro four-thirds. and says, actually, let's turn it on on its heels and see how, how what interesting things it can do. Absolutely. You know, you have to buy... Let's say you want to do wide-angle close-up macro work with Canon. You have to buy a specialist lens by someone like Lauer. You can't do it with Canon stuff. It just doesn't have the... They, those, those wide-angle lenses don't have the close-up focus ability. You have to get something like the Lauer fifteen mm f four, which is which is um, uh, you know it's not it's, it's manual focus. I stick my twelve to one hundred on on my on my OM one, and I can be two centimeters away from the butterfly. And then if it takes off and everything works out, I have unbelievable shot of spread wings and the landscape behind, which again nobody's really done done before. Uh, except maybe with compact cameras so yeah it's interesting
0: so so butterflies talk to me about butterflies because this is obviously a huge passion of yours um where did it start and what is it about butterflies that really draws you in
1: so uh as we talked about before really it was 2018 and it was late summer and i had been just switched into the Olympus system um interestingly i'd been up at the top of Carter Idris in Wales for Milky Way with the big 5D4 and the Sigma 14 1.8, which weighs, weighs and is about the size of a tank. Um, and thank God I had a guide with me, and she carried that, all that kit up for me. Cause, and I was getting really, really tired. I kept thinking, God, I'm really out-breath here. I'm you know, a squash player, super fit, what's going on? And I was getting really tired on the squash court. And then finally in September, having had endless trips to the doctor, uh, they fast-tracked me into... Uh, Uh, the system, and I had bowel cancer. I was really, actually really rather ill. Um, But there was a strange upside, and the upside was I couldn't go far, and it was that late summer, glorious late summer, uh, with all the butterflies coming into our garden. So I'm looking at the commas, the painted ladies, the red admirals, the whites, and going, hmm, butterflies. Who does butterflies in flight? Not really many people. There's a very good guy called John Brackenbury. He has done some sterling work in that area, but this is slightly different. What if I use Procatcher to try and capture the moment the butterfly takes off? And so I started trying to do that. And interestingly, one of the shots from that year, then the, got second in the butterfly category in up Photographer of the Year, which is really exciting, a real confirmation that the work is interesting. Um, so I, I, was, I was starting to set myself a challenge it gave me a great distraction while I was waiting for surgery. I fell in love with the butterflies. I started getting all these slides shots. I started posting them. Again, the papers really liked it. Then people say, oh, how do you get your photos in the papers? Well, look, I, I do really good photos of birds and butterflies. And I go, yeah, but you've got to do something that's never been done before that's fresh and unusual. And butterflies in flight is fresh and unusual, especially if it's done well. I'm not talking about a blurred smartphone shot or you know, uh, it needs to be in focus, otherwise it's just not gonna it's not gonna rot the boat. Um so that was so luckily I've come through surgery, I'm you know, I did the chemo, I'm, I'm I'm clear, God willing. Uh but I just really started going for the butterflies at that point. And and then one of my publishers who I did a book with before uh, approached me and said, We love your butterfly shots. Do you fancy doing a big book of butterflies, big hardback, uh two fifty by two fifty? Uh, book and so that was gave me the impetus to basically go and photograph every single UK bus flow, which I've done now, um, and have an incredible adventure. And again, if I'm traveling up and down the country and then I'm walking like nature reserves all day, I don't want to be taking heavy kit with me. And my go to lenses are the 40 to 150, uh, f2.8, and the uh, 12 to 100, and a couple of OM1 bodies. Now I can fit all that in my rucksack and a macro. Um, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to just go off on, 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 a, on a tangent here.
0: Absolutely.
1: The, in, it, the in-camera focus stacking of the OM-1, I think it, they don't mention it in the publicity, I think it's been greatly improved from the OM-1 Mark Three, And because it's using the image stabilization, i.e. the camera, it, it, it compensates for camera movement, it means that as long as the subject is fairly still, um, you're going to get an amazing back-to-front focus shot. Uh, if, you're, if you're also as still as you can be. So I've got some incredible close-up shots, handheld, no tripod, no focus rail, shots of butterfly eyes, butterfly scales. Um, so that's it's just very interesting to have three or four sets of tools all in one rucksack to get every different aspect of butterflies. Um, and what a challenge. Butterflies move fast. You want anywhere from 4,000th of a second to 6,400th of a second to freeze them, which means you've got to work with higher ISO a lot of the time, you've got to work with depth of field, and you've got to work out where they're going to fly. And I'm not going to give too much away here, yeah. but everyone goes, oh yeah, well you've just used the tracking on no. the OM-1. No, there is no camera that can track butterflies flight flight as far as I can tell. I am not using tracking, but I am using ProCapture. Um And I'm not going to say any more than that, because I'm not going to give all my secrets away. No, of but I've worked, I've worked incredibly hard. And the thing I would say to anybody who's listening to this podcast who wants to get into, you know, birds or butterflies or whatever, is you've just got to work and you've got to practice and you've got to try different things with your kit and you've got to learn from other people. Everyone is not a photographer. That's rubbish. That's bollocks. Not everyone's a photographer. Um, It's like saying everyone's a writer. It doesn't make any sense. There are no shortcuts. And to get beautiful quality photos that people literally you want them to swoon over it. that takes years of dedication and practice and skill
0: I, I just find it incredibly inspiring that you went through this hard time and um you know the thing that sort of you know, helps you keep going was was photography and or, okay you couldn't go up a mountain during that time but you could go to yeah, your back garden yeah. and and the one yeah, constant yeah. Uh, during that time was uh photography for you so you could you know however yeah. you were feeling you yeah. could reach out grab the camera, yeah. as I say, go to your garden yeah. and the butterflies were there waiting yeah. for you. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of people who are perhaps maybe going through a similar sort of situation will take a huge yeah. amount yeah. of uh, inspiration from that.
1: Yeah. And I've, I've got a really strong point that I want to make here. Yeah. I love Olympus. Uh, I thought they, the fact that they got Chris I walker for, uh, for, you know, for the launch to do all this stuff adventuring all around the world was very cool. But, and I'm going to say a huge, massive but here, we can't all afford to go to Africa or go trekking across the Appalachian Mountains or, you know, uh, be asleep on top of a mountain at dawn. Um, and I would say the Olympus is actually there for your back garden, for your local nature reserve, for the hill where there's some lovely woods and trees. Um, and and, and, and it, you, as, I, as I said, there's snobbery among the full frame, but there's also the snobbery among the adventure photographers and the safari photographers. And I would say, please don't take heed of that. Find what's around you. I have made an incredibly good career and success out of photographing uh, the wildlife and the landscape really within the 5, 10 mile radius of where I live. And that does hold if you're in a city because there are incredible wildlife in parks and gardens. There's all sorts going on these days. Um, uh, so... I would say that feeling of being, that there is that, that feeling of being of, of judgmental, of you're only cool if you're abseiling off the edge of a mountain, you've got a wide angle of a goat you know, leaping off the edge of a mountain, whatever. Yeah, brilliant. Or you've got the, the, the two zebras fighting each other and then playing chess and sitting down to read Rachmaninoff. Well, that's good for you, mate. Um, just, uh, but what's, what is on your doorstep is as good and has as much validity as all that other stuff. Um, and I think Olympus could play to the strength of that because a lot of people that are buying the equipment are not going to be going to Africa and are not going to be you know trekking in the Rockies um uh, and might you know and might not be able to do that because they're older or they have some they're, they're, they have some ability issues uh but they can they can certainly go and have a walk in the park and see what's going on there. you never know what they're going to find
0: it's some amazing advice and you're obviously very very busy. What is the next six months looking like for you?
1: Um, Well, I'm finishing the butterfly book, so I'm kind of doing the writing now. I'm hoping there's one last butterfly, which I didn't, it's the only one I didn't get. It's not a British one, but it is starting to breed here called a long-tailed blue. So I I was down in Brighton for that, and, and it's bred, and hopefully there'll be some emerging at the end of September. But I'm going to be working on a book called My Garden Safari, which is about garden wildlife and also a book of my moon photography, uh, much of which has got in the papers. I've had even had the cover of the Times with one of my moon shots. Um, and I, I'm really fascinated, not the moon by itself, but the moon in context, the moon in habitat, the moon rising behind buildings and castles and rock formations, and, and not composite shots. Jesus, really? Um, uh, there's no skill in that. There is some skill in getting the moon uh, and amazing situations rising over buildings and rocks as a single wall file. That for me is is a real, is a real challenge. So it might be, I'm a bit um, geeky on that, but I think it could can produce a very powerful book.
0: No, that's cool. And, and, you know, you are quite sort of purist with your image making. I mean, you know, sort of some people make a career out of composite imagery, but that's just not for you. Uh, tell me a bit yeah. more about the, about the moon photography and, you know, the challenges you have on a typical shoot, uh, when you when you're out there.
1: So I so, so okay. So the moon is really interesting. I think it's more difficult than wildlife for the, all the very obvious reasons. But one is a slightly spiritual one. No matter how far you plan with your photo apps, I use the photographer's uh, ephemeris 3D mainly and pills so you're in the right place at the right time for, say, the moon to rise over the Devil's Chair on the stiper Stones. And it always rises a little bit later than what the app says. And you always think it's actually not going to come out. And therefore, it's just like wildlife. You're not going to see it. It's not going to happen. But the other difficulty is you can plan to be in the perfect place at the perfect time. Um, But you've you've only got 12 times a year. And you need that to be clear skies or very little cloud. So it's a really massive challenge. Uh, uh, and 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 even if it's forecast to be uh, wonderful weather, you go and then suddenly in the bank of cloud on the horizon and you're buggered but I think in, the, in moon photography it's very very interesting and this is again where, where the big lens work and the incredible image stabilization is, is fascinating so I use the 150-400 quite a lot again because of the zoom uh, and it means I can get incredible reach, So if I put the 1.4 extender or the double extender so I can get the whole moon filling the frame, and then the foreground of this rock formation, so you can see part of the moon behind it because there's a gap in, in a, a fissure called the Devil's Needle. Um, so I'm just fascinated by these, uh, by the moon in context. There's a guy called London from the Rooftops. He does it very. He does all that work with the big lens, but with with London buildings, and he does it phenomenally well. And because they're iconic buildings, he gets in the papers a hell of a lot. But I think there is definitely a. a something interesting about that Uh, and again it's not i have not put the moon there which would just be too easy um and the best compliment i had is i've had accusations that my 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 moon pictures are fake um actually from one guy years ago i I bumped into it never met him before but then i was shooting some birds one day and this guy went oh you're the guy with the moon and I said, oh, you're the guy who, who basically trolled me. And he says, oh, yeah, when I've had a few drinks, I do, go a bit, I do get a bit angry. And I thought, Christ, that is typical alcoholic behavior. But it was just, you know, I, no, no file I could send them, no raw file was good enough. Don't, don't debate with the trolls. But I just, yeah, I think that challenge is fascinating. And I'm, I'm certainly going to spend a couple of years on it. We'll see where we go.
0: Amazing. So where can people see more of your images? Have you got uh, social media?
1: Uh, social media, um at, at Andrew Fusek Peters, that's uh, Instagram at two Peters, that's the number two, on Twitter and uh F U S E K photos dot com is my website. Um, uh, and I you know, just look up my name, Andrew Fusek Peters, and you'll come up on tons of stuff. Lots of back back articles for amateur photographer. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, yeah, you'll you'll find me fairly easily. <laughs>
0: great stuff. Well, Andrew, thank you so much again for being so generous with your time and for opening up and telling your story. And, you know, I I know you and I will hopefully be shooting together soon in the future. and I, I really look forward to that.